You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. I want to talk about 2014. So many of you know, uh, we did finally take some time off over the holidays. We haven't done that in a long time. We worked uh, both weekends live. We're here again live this weekend. But throughout the week, we took some time off. We didn't do our recordings or our weeknight shows. But it doesn't mean I wasn't working. I I was working on looking back over 2014, what worked for us, what worked for the people we are trying to help, what didn't work, what should we do more of. And overall, 2014 was an excellent year. Um, I, I believe for us here at Let's Truck and for many, many of our listeners, the reports I got back, really positive in, in so many ways. Um, some big things for us that happened in 2014, um, we broke a million fuel tickets in our fuel gauges program. We're up, actually up to 1.1 million now. We launched our podcast network and... uh Sometime before the end of the day's show today, I should have some pretty big news for you on the network. I'm waiting for the word from our programmers. They are hard at work right now, so I'll let you know about that. Uh, biggest ever waiting list for our CMC, so that that program we're very, very excited about. So many other things, but what I was really looking for was what was the most important thing that I learned in 2014? What was the biggest breakthrough? Well, the interesting thing was the breakthrough didn't happen until these last two weeks that I I took the time off and really spent some time digging back through what I was working on in 2014. And and the breakthrough came to me. And it really is a big one. I, I, I don't have it completely worked out yet, but I know what it is. I talked a lot all year about getting back to basics, focusing on the stuff that's really important, and doing the hard work. And by definition, the hard work, and I've explained many, many times, is different than working hard. Most people work hard. Most people put in a lot of hours or a lot of time. But working hard is different than doing the hard work. In fact, once you learn what that really means, once you understand doing the hard work, it's so different. Most people never do the hard work. That's why most people get the same results their whole life. They never get to the point, no matter how hard they work. I know people who worked crazy hard their whole life, didn't really ever achieve the things they wanted to achieve. Working hard won't do it. Doing the hard work will, and that's what I talked about. I even identified in our industry, in our business, what I I think the most important hard work is. And I said, it's planning and setting goals, however you want to put that, planning and setting goals, thinking things through, getting them in writing. 
that's hard work that most people never do. They skip it thinking it's not important and nothing could be further from the truth. Then I said, if you're going to run a business, you have to understand your numbers. Yeah, and most people never get to that point either. Um, continue learning and build relationships. I said, if you could get back to focusing on those four things, that you could change your life, you could change your business, you could achieve so much more. But I was still missing something, and the part that I was missing is is kind of counterintuitive. It's kind of a conundrum. So I've talked about the hard work being the thing that we usually don't like to do. That's why it's hard work. That's why so few people do it. But what I also figured out through my own experience and through uh, one of the things we're going to do on the show today is we're going to um, revisit our 30-day goal challenge that we did a month ago. And and I'll give you an update on how I did. We're going to have some people back on and give you an update on on how they did. So part of this 30-day process, I, I was looking at I'm trying to reach a goal. What what can I learn new about this? And I'm helping other people to try to reach their goal. What can I learn from them? And what I learned, and I talked about this earlier in the year too, because I read a book, I think it's the beginning of last year, 2014, um, called The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. And I recommended the book, and I still recommend it. But that book really just got me interested in the topic of habits. It was the first book I read. I thought it was excellent, and it was, um, but I found out there was more. So I started reading other books about habits, and I've got about 10 of them right now that I'm trying to get through so I can pick the top one, two, maybe three books. Um, I'll do a podcast on those once I figure out which books they're going to be, and we can talk about those. Here's what I figured out, and I kind of understood it the first time I read the book on habits, but I'm I'm starting to understand it even more now, and that is everything we do, everything we do is a habit. We, we tend to think of bad habits. We tend to think of big things that might be habits, like smoking, most of us consider a bad habit. Uh, Even people who smoke, most of the time will tell you, yeah, it's a bad habit. I know that. Um, Drinking to excess, whatever it might be, overeating, not exercising. We think of those things as habits, but literally everything about us is because of a habit. And I'm going to talk more about that when we get back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. I was talking about habits. And one of the things that I'm, I'm learning from the books is there's, there are a thousand little techniques that can help us with this process. And I'm going to get through all the books. I'm going to try to pick my top two or three. I'll do book reviews on them as uh, part of our Road Scholar podcast. And I'll let you know about that. Um, so it's not easy, but we can learn a lot from the books. This is critically important though. Uh, Like I say, this is my biggest breakthrough of 2014. And one of the ideas I came up with, one of the things that the tips and tricks and ideas to help you turn these things that are extremely difficult for you right now into habits that you can do every day and actually enjoy them. 
That's the beauty. I can tell you, when you get to the point that you enjoy these things, everything changes. The fact that I love doing my numbers, reading my financials makes running my business so much easier. When I get to that place that I love being in the gym and working out, I love the way it makes me feel, it becomes so much easier and there's so many benefits. One of the ways we can do that is with an accountability partner. And that's kind of what we did with our 30-day challenge. And we're going to have some people on the air today that were a part of that. I learned a lot helping people through that. I learned a lot me going through it, even though I've done this literally a thousand times. I still learned this time because I was really paying attention. And by the way, I failed to meet my goal. Um, and it kills me to have to come on the air right now and say that. Uh, and I'll we'll talk about that some more later on. Um, but I learned a lot. And the idea I came up, and here's one of the things, here's how strong that accountability can be. I failed about halfway through my goal. I was really doing good. At the halfway point, I was actually way ahead of the pace I needed to be on. And then I got weak and lazy and made all the excuses like everybody else does. Well, it's Christmas it's the holidays. We have twin grandsons that are still in the hospital. Uh, Lisa got sick. I was feeling a little under the weather. Those are all just excuses. Uh, that's all they are. I mean, you can call them reasons. It makes you feel better, but they're excuses, and I know it. But the the and, and it's been killing me the last couple of weeks because I've in the back of my mind I've been thinking I'm going to have to go on the air and admit, you know, Mister Goal Setting here that I failed at this one. But that that accountability was enough that, you know what, I got up this morning and I started back on my goal again because I could at least come on the air and save a little bit of face and say, you know what, I failed, but I'm back at it again. So I haven't really failed. I've just delayed my success, uh, which isn't good, but it's better than quitting. But the biggest reason was I knew I had to come on here and face everybody and say, I failed, but but I'm starting over. That that makes it easier. So here's my thought. I, I was going to do this on my own, and then I thought, why not throw this out and see if we could figure out a way to do this together? I I don't have I don't have the time to to be a good accountability partner for somebody right now, and that's a two way street. I mean, I can ask somebody else to hold me accountable, but then I, I should be doing something for them. And right now, honestly, I just don't have time to interact with more people that way. So I was going to just try to figure out a way to motivate my, myself, and I was going to use money. I was going to say, okay, every day I have to pick one thing, just one. Don't overdo this. Don't try to do too many things. I have to pick one thing each day to create a new habit or one thing that is critically important that to get done that I've been putting off. It can fit into either category. Now, the habits you have to do every day. You absolutely need to pick habits that happen every day and do them every day. Then on top of that, I also have some things that aren't really habits. I just know I've got to get done and I've been putting off. And my motivator was going to be that every day that I miss – either doing my habit or doing the one most important thing that I've identified for each one of those items, I have to put $25 into an account. I have to take money that I could have used for something else 
and I have to put it in, in into that account. Now that's every day. So and $25 for the habit and $25 for the one most important item I've identified each day could potentially cost me $50 a day. And if I screw up for the whole month, we're talking big bucks. I mean, this would be a good motivator for me and it would it would work. And I thought, what if we could come up with a, a group of us that wanted to do this? I think everybody should pick their own dollar amount because the money really isn't the important part. You have to make sure it's enough money that it motivates you, but it also has to be enough that you can afford to do it. Uh, for me, 25, 50 bucks, it, it would be, that's a stretch. Um, if I screw up a lot, that's going to cost me a lot of money. For somebody else, you know what? It might be a buck a day. But if a buck a day is is hard for you, then that's a good motivator. One of the um, one of the people I was working with trying to help them with their 30-day goal, um, financially, they were in really bad shape, and they admitted it, but they wanted to be an owner-operator. And I said, well, you know, you have to be able to buy my book. 250 bucks. He said, there's no way. I, I haven't had 250 bucks at one time that I could spend in years. I mean, he's really in bad shape financially. So I said, okay, well, then you need to learn how to budget better and manage your money. So you need to get a copy of Dave Ramsey's book, uh, Total Money Makeover. Now, I, I don't know the price on that book, but I, I would believe it's probably under 20 bucks. I, I could go look. I don't know. I can't believe it's that expensive. Um, it turns out, that he never got started on his goal because he couldn't afford the book, Total Money Makeover. I wish he would have called me or emailed me earlier in the process because he's stuck. His mind is so stuck and focused on what he doesn't have that he's not thinking creatively or clearly, and I could have helped him with that. I'm sure all of you or, or many of you right now are screaming at your radio, why didn't you go to the library? The book's free. Most books are free somewhere. Libraries today carry a lot of books, DVDs, video series, uh, uh, audio programs. You can get almost anything that's been published free. And yet he stopped because he couldn't figure out how to get the money to get the first book to learn how to manage his money better. That's how stuck we can get sometimes. So having an accountability partner, having people help you with this can be a really big tool and a great advantage. So what if we could come up with a group and a way to manage this that everybody gets to pick their own dollar amount, but we, we keep everybody accountable. We pay the money all into one fund and then we all vote on or decide or come up with something good to do with the money. Maybe we create a fund to help new people getting into the industry, and maybe we buy books that we can distribute or tape programs. Maybe we just save all the money for a year and we throw a big event somewhere. I don't know. Uh, let's brainstorm on some ideas. That That's the secondary part. What The good that we could do with the money is kind of the secondary I want to use the money as a motivator and, and the group to help keep everybody accountable. Now, we need a couple things here. We need 
a website or some software or or something. There's got to be something out there that would help us manage this. We could start with a Facebook group. I know people are kind of overwhelmed with a lot of groups right now, but that's an idea. So here's what I need help on. I need ideas. How do we run this? How do we manage it? And who's going to do it? Because I can tell you as a company right now, we can't do this. This has got to come from within. This has got to come from people stepping up. Now, I've already had a lot of, I had people sending me messages before they knew what the idea was saying they were willing to help. So start brainstorming, start getting some ideas down on paper if you're interested in doing this. And I'm going to give you an email. So write this down. And for now, until we can figure out a way to get this organized, we can use our email system to communicate for now. Um, so if you have any ideas, if you want to be a part of this, send an email to support at letstruck.com. And that will get to me. And in the beginning, we'll use that to kind of get this rolling until we come up with a, another method, a website or or whatever it might be. So support at letstruck.com. If you like the idea, let me know. If you hate the idea, let me know. And and today, while we're on the air, you can send me messages on Facebook. I'll be reading those throughout the day as well. Uh, let me know what you think. Great idea, lousy idea, great idea, but we can't figure out how to make it work. I don't know. You tell me. We'll be right back. When we get back, I'm going straight to your phone calls. No, I'm not. I have one more idea that I want to pass on about habits because it's important. Then we'll get to your phone calls. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. One more idea on habits, and then we're going to get to your calls. One of the things that, that I talk about a lot is that really, for in most things, all that matter to me are results. I don't care how much you worked on something. I don't care how long you worked on something. I don't care how busy you seem to be. If you're not producing the results you want, all the work is meaningless. I know people are busy all the time. I said I know people that work real hard all the time. But without some focus and planning and and doing the hard work, results won't come not the results you want. And if you're not producing the results, then all the other stuff doesn't matter. There's an exception to that. And I found it when I was studying habits. When you are trying to build a habit and and building the habit is so critically important. When you're trying to build a habit, don't worry about results. All you should worry about is consistency. This is one of those This is the opposite of what I've been saying, that results are everything. Not when you're trying to build a habit. Results don't matter. Consistency does so that you actually get the habit built. So you're far better off doing something, even if you only do it for five minutes a day and and accomplish nothing. Like Let's say that one of the things you want to develop habit of is meditating. And that's one that I've played around with for years. I know the benefits and I haven't been able to make it a consistent habit yet. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Well, if I were to only meditate for five minutes a day, I would probably get no measurable results. It's just not enough time to make any difference. But it would be better to meditate only five minutes a day for 30 days straight and accomplish nothing other than doing it but not see any real results. That would be better 
than trying to meditate for an hour every day so I would see results, but only getting to it occasionally or inconsistently or missing days because I didn't have an hour. This is one case that you just don't worry about results. Focus on being consistent. And in the beginning, if you need to shorten the duration of what you're trying to do, work out for five minutes a day if you have to. But don't skip a day because you don't have enough time. Don't worry about results. Just build the habit. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Let's start off in Indiana. Ron, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, man, you blew me away with today's topic. I was going to talk about myself for a few minutes, but now you've caught my whole brain on fire because I understand the gaps that are missing for you. Excellent. And, um, yes, well, habits, okay, uh, habits are kind of dangerous. You gotta, you gotta remember that, uh, how the human brain works is that habits are formed whenever dopamine is released into our, our brains. And dopamine is a very addictive drug. You know, it's the addiction center of our whole being. Right. And people can become addicted to habits and become addicted to creating habits. And one of the barriers of people starting good habits is that they're addicted to other things. They're addicted to the ding on their phone. They're addicted to looking at Facebook. They're addicted, you know, they have these things that, are, that have their minds so focused that, you know, their brain you, can't really handle more dopamine. You bring up so, a good point. Uh, what, it, and, and that is something that gets addressed. So far, it gets addressed in every book that I've read about habits. Everybody agrees on this point. That and I, I started to talk about this and then I got sidetracked is that everything we do is a habit. I mean, we don't think of it that way, but you just went through a whole bunch of them. Your phone dings you no matter what else is going on. I watch people do this all day long. It doesn't matter <laughs> what's going on. That phone dings. They grab it. That is a habit. And you're right. It, it, it releases dopamine and we get a pleasurable feeling. So one of the things that all the books agree on is your life is already full of habits. You don't have room for any more. Every minute of every day is taken up with a habit that you don't even realize is a habit. And what you have to do is not add new ones. You have to replace the bad ones uh, with better ones. Well, um, one of the things that counteract the dopamine in your brain are serotonin and a, another chemical called oxytocin. And these are directly linked to selfless acts and achievements. So if, if you incorporate achievement and selfless acts along with the creation of the habit, you're also producing these two other chemicals that counteract the effectiveness or uh, how hard the dopamine hits your brain. And uh, I think what you know, would be a really great idea is to have a place where people can post their achievements so that everybody else can recognize them. Because if I have an achievement and then, you know, I'm in a room full of people who recognize my achievement, those people who mean so much to me uh, recognize my achievement. I get flooded with serotonin and those people that, that were there for me, they get, they get a really heavy shot of that serotonin also. And it just washes the effects of that dopamine away. Graduation day, everybody's super happy. Everybody's super pliable. They're, they're awash with this chemical 
And it, that's why graduations are so pleasant. That's why birthdays are so pleasant. And um, then you have the other, um, the other chemical called oxytocin. And this is released in your brain when you do something selfless, something completely disconnected from yourself. Or if you see somebody else doing something selfless, you get a shot of that oxytocin too. These are chemicals that are built into our system that pull us forward to do selfless things, to achieve things, and to create habits to keep us alive. You are, everything you said is absolutely correct. I've read all of those things correct. in these books about habits, so you get that. And when I sat down to kind of write my open today, I was going to start with, um, it's our thoughts that lead to emotions. It's emotions that release the chemicals you're talking about and create behaviors. And I was going to go through that whole process. When I wrote it all down, I'm like, my God, my open's going to be two hours if I keep going. But you're absolutely right. That's the kind of detail that's in these books that will help us create a system and a plan so that we create habits that really work for us. We have thousands of habits now, but for the most part, they're not working for us. And we have to replace those with better habits that do work for us. And you talked about these chemicals that are so powerful. And those chemicals come from emotions. Emotions come from our thoughts. And when I talked about, you know, things that we don't think of as habit. Now, do you consider yourself a, a positive person or a negative person? Um, I've worked ever since I learned this, I've worked on myself to become a, a positive oh, person. Oh, you're a great example of what I wanted I, to I, talk about then. I, See, most right. people. And, and um, I've worked on it. Yeah. You know, it, it took a little bit of effort, but I had to focus on the positive things that I see on the road, the positive things that happen in my life, and walking into the truck stops, doing selfless things for other people. Just by saying hello and stuff, it, it's a huge rush. Well, you are an e a exact, perfect example of what I wanted to talk about. Most people believe that personality traits like, you know, enthusiasm, happiness, uh, willingness to help. Uh, per we think that personality traits are, are ingrained and they're just natural. That's who we are. Nothing could be further from the truth. We are just a, a, a result of our habits. And people say, well, I, I've tried to be positive. That's just not me. It, it's not you because you created the wrong habits. You have created, if you're an unhappy, negative person, and there are a lot of people in the world this way, they look at the negative side of almost everything first, and then you have to knock them down and beat them over the head to get them to even admit that there might be a positive side to something. But if it takes that much, you know what their day is going to be like. But here's what happened. They created a habit of thinking about negative, unhappy things. Those negative, unhappy things that they think about release chemicals in their brain, but it's all the wrong chemicals, makes them feel bad. So now they feel bad. So the next event that happens to them is going to be even worse. And this is a downward spiral. And pretty soon they've built a lifetime of being unhappy and negative. But it's not it's not their nature. It's their habit. It was their habit of thinking about the wrong things. Now, some people say, well, I can't help it. You can help it. I promise you right now, if I tell you not to think of a pink elephant, guess what everybody just thought of? 
They just thought of a pink elephant. You can't stop. It's impossible not to. Unless you are so disciplined, the minute you hear me say that, you, you think of a, a blue tiger instead. But what my point is, you have absolute control over what you think about. You could choose to think of a blue tiger so that you don't think of a pink elephant. Or you thought of a pink elephant because I, I just convinced you to. But that's your choice. You could force yourself to think about good things in every situation. And if you can force yourself to do that long enough, it will become a habit and it will become easy after a while. And then pretty soon, you're a positive person. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. There's the, there's the, uh, I have a solution. Okay. Well, hold that thought because uh, I want to hear it. Over? Yeah, I'm going to hold you over. I'm going to get to a break. We'll come right back. I know I'm taking a lot of time on this topic, but trust me, this is big. This, this, I think it's my biggest breakthrough of 2014. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment today, so I'm going to get right back to uh, the phone calls. Before the break, I was talking with Bo in South Dakota. Bo, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we were talking about Tony Robbins. Now, uh, just recently, I think this past, this past year, he ended up uh, interviewing two gentlemen that were very successful, million-dollar and one-day earner, something like that, something crazy. Anyways, and uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, uh, just talking about the general idea of goal-setting and, and, and achieving. And he says, you know, the problem is, is that a lot of people don't see themselves achieving. They don't see themselves doing you know what it is, and, and there is a way to change that about yourself, and it's that is the, the quick answer is just hanging around with the right people, because when you start hanging out with with the right people, you start seeing that you know what these people making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year are no different than you and I. They're just making the hard decisions, like you're saying. You know that that is such a great point because I think at some point we all feel like people who succeeded must be different, you know, and and sometimes they are. I, I will say sometimes people at the very very top, like a Steve Jobs, you know, if you read uh, biographies of some of those really extraordinary people, I think they are different, but for the most part, that they're the exception. For the most part, I, I know people, you know, that make a million plus a year that are just as normal as you and I. And, and, and I've got the chance to hang out with people like that. And you're right. It, it, the more time you spend with them, the more you look around and go, hey, wait a minute. This guy does all the same stuff I do for the most part, exactly. but, but he's doing a couple hey, things differently. Right, right. And Kevin, you know what? All these hard decisions that I'm making, man, I really respect myself, number one, and my wife really respects me now too yeah i'm not that same punk kid being 21 years old making all these dumb you know all these excuses and oh yeah but uh, yeah you know that's another good point uh you do feel better about yourself because i was there boy you talk about stupid decisions i mean i I was not i i was on the wild side you know and and made a lot of really bad decisions early in my life and and i had to pay the consequences and i did and i learned but you're right. There is a change. When, when you start doing the right things, you feel better, and people around you notice it. And, and that's a good feeling. Hey, I've got $7,800 in the bank now. And, Outstanding. Uh, closer. Outstanding. I, I remember... Yeah. I remember the first time I was able to save 10000 and and I think I was probably about 30 
by the the first even though I bought my first truck at 21 years old uh, was making in my first couple of years I was clearing 45 and 50,000 with the truck running local which was great money back then but I I made horrible decisions there was a time when I was grossing well over a million dollars a year and couldn't save $500 in the bank I mean right. I was living on credit cards so it, when when I was able to save that $10,000 that was so amazing I mean, what a, what a change that I was able to see. Yeah, it's possible. And, and if I could save 10000 there's no reason why I can't save twenty. Hey, I'm going to get off the phone with you, Kevin, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to be calling again. I hope so. Love to hear from you. Great stuff. I, I really, really, I, I tell you all the time, I love hearing those kind of stories and feedback. I love it even more when it's young people. I, I just, I get so excited about their potential. When you learn these lessons in your 20s, the potential is amazing. I wish I could have learned these lessons in my 20s. I tried, and I did okay, but I feel like I was way behind the curve from some of the young people I see today. It's very easy to look at the young people today and put them all in in the group like old people tend to do, and I'm old people now. Um, Forever, old people tend to look at young people and think, uh, my generation never did that. You're right. You were in a different generation, but you did stupid things too. I, I did stupid things. And, and the older people looked at me like I was a moron because I was. So when we look at young people today, we can look at them and say, well, they're all morons. They're not. There are some young people today that absolutely impress the hell out of me. And I, I find them in the trucking industry. I absolutely love that. Uh, we've brought some of them to the CMC uh, on scholarships because I see the potential. In fact, every year I try to bring uh, five to 10 people. Sometimes we don't get that many. Um, I, I try to bring in young people with potential. Maybe they don't have the money and they can't afford to come. And we usually sponsor them and bring them in on uh, a scholarship because I love that potential in young people. They they have so much time. I get so excited about what they could potentially accomplish in their lifetime. Let's uh, let's get to some calls. Let's go to Missouri. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hey, morning, Kevin. Hey, it's the end of the year. Everybody's got their last paycheck, gentlemen. Even though they don't have their W-2 yet, they got their last paycheck, per se, in the mail. And on their stuff should see how much they made. Yep. How much it grows, take away the taxes, divide it by 52. That's how much you average per week in income. Now, basically, now you know how much you got to spend each week. Now you can save about 30% on your mortgage payment by just making weekly payments. You take that monthly payment, multiply it by 12. That's how much you would pay over the course of the year, correct? Uh Yes, under a traditional mortgage setup, right? One, yeah, exactly. Payments times twelve—that's how much you pay over the year, right? Right. Divide that by fifty-two. You make that much every week. Don't do the monthly payment. Just make that weekly payment. A fifteen-year mortgage will be cut down to nine years and about seven months, depending on the uh, interest rate. That's a great strategy if you can stretch a little bit more. You can do even better. And, and that's by making, if you break it down by weekly, but don't do the math that you did. So you actually end up paying, not only are you paying weekly, which um, 
breaks down the principal faster, which is one advantage. But if you truly pay weekly, you can end up making additional mortgage payments throughout the year because there are really 13 weeks in every quarter, not 12. So we get one extra week every quarter. So you could end up making one additional mortgage payment every year by doing this. So you get two advantages. You made an additional payment and you were paying on the, the principal earlier. Uh, if there's 12 months and there's 52 weeks in a year, instead of having, like my, my example is $400 a month, I pay $88 a week. Right. And that's one way. And what that and, does, uh, the, that, yep. that pays down the principal sooner. That's where the savings comes from. The, yep. the extra little tweak actually helps you make one additional mortgage payment throughout the year and cuts that time down even further. So two strategies there, just a little different, but great ways of saving a ton of money without really, you know, stretching all that much. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can't make a, a lot of people will tell me, well, I can't afford a weekly payment. Well, if you can't afford a weekly payment, you sure as hell can't make a monthly one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, afford... If, if you manage your money, right? Yeah, obviously, if you can't afford this strategy, you took on too much of a mortgage. I mean, if you're that tight with your mortgage that it, it's that much of a struggle to make it that you can't do it by the week, like you said, doesn't even make any sense to say you can't do it. But if you can't, that's an indication you probably took on more mortgage than you should have, which is very common in this country, by the way. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to... Uh, Wrap this up. I was going to try to squeeze in another call, but I'm looking at the uh, clock and the clock says it's time to wrap this up and get out of here. So I am going to do just that. And we will see you back here tomorrow. Uh, We are live tomorrow as well. We can continue this conversation or we can talk about anything you want to talk about. Check out the website, letstruck.com. You will notice now when you go to letstruck.com, look up at the top right on the navigation menu, and you'll see a new menu item that says Audio Road. That is our network. It is up and running. We literally launched it during the show today. We've been working on it for about three months. Uh, The programmers came in on Saturday for me. I appreciate them doing that and got it launched for us. So go check out. There's still a couple tweaks in there. We need to fix a couple links. So don't get too crazy if not everything works exactly right. But you can go check out all of the new shows you hear me talking about right on our network. Now, right on letstruck.com. We have big, big plans for this network. This is our big project for 2015 and beyond. We've got about seven shows now. We've got new shows coming up uh, in the next couple weeks, and we plan on having 20-plus shows by the end of 2015. Our goal is to bring you the absolute best in trucking information, knowledge, and stuff. Just just the absolute best information available for people in this industry. That's what the network's all about. That's what we're going to grow. We'd love to have you be a part of it. So come on over and check it out. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for all the amazing feedback. Thanks for all the work you guys did on your goals. 
We'll talk about it some more tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck